Hey everyone, welcome aboard. We are here. Glad to be with you. Dave Therry and New Hope Radio. We've been noting in a series some of the, I would call them, startling things that Jesus said. You know, Jesus said some things that make you go, Jesus said what? <laughs> like, you really said that? He said some nice things too. One of the more beautiful things he said was very comforting to someone. You know what he said? Your sins are forgiven. That's a good one. And you know that statement, your sins are forgiven? It goes to anyone who receives him as their Lord and Savior. It's that simple. It's that easy. You can hear it from the Lord himself. Your sins are forgiven. Just believe in who he is and what he came to do. Now, last time we were together, Jesus said something really strange. And you know why? <laughs> because of who he said it to. He said it to a conniving deceiver. You know what he said? Hey, buddy, good job. <laughs> Jesus said, what? He said, good job to a conniving deceiver. It's the parable of the unjust steward. I call him the conniving deceiver. Why would he say good job to him? Well, you got to listen and find out why. You can find it at the Hope Club podcast. It's right there. Go to the Hope Club podcast. Just type it in online and you'll see the unjust steward, the conniving deceiver. Okay. Now, today we're going to embark on some other things that Jesus said. Startling. But yet, today, it's kind of like it's more historical. Jesus is going to talk about, he's going to give a history lesson. But he's going to give a history lesson like only he can do. Because you know what he's going to talk about? Not the history that has come to pass, but the history that's in the future. Oh, he's going to talk about future history. Now, only Jesus can do that. You know why? Because, well, only Jesus <laughs> knows the future. That's why. So, he's going to answer a question that his disciples had. And uh, they asked him a question, which is really a pretty relevant question today. I think people are asking the same question today that they asked Jesus 2,000 years ago. Maybe many of you that are listening are wondering about the same thing. And it's an important question. And it's even more relevant. It's even more urgent today than it was then because we're a lot closer to it. And you know what the answer to this question will do? It'll help us to determine, oh, here it comes, what to do with the rest of your life. The answer to this question is going to help you determine what to do with the rest of your life. The question is found in Matthew chapter 24 and verse 3. As he was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. And they were saying, tell us, when will these things happen? Now, you know, when you read the scriptures and you see something like, when will these things happen? You have to ask yourself, <clears throat> what things? What are they talking about? Well, back in verse 1, it's where it starts. Jesus came out from the temple and he was going away 
when his disciples came up to point out the temple buildings to him. They were probably amazed at the massive structure. That temple was awesome, made of marble with stones. Think of this now, 50 feet long, 24 feet wide, and 16 feet thick. Now, we're going back a few thousand years. That temple was an engineering marvel. 50 feet long? How'd they move those things? 24 feet broad? 16 feet thick? (laughs) You look at that building, you go, wow. Yeah, no wonder they were like in awe of the temple. And Jesus said to them, Do you not see all these things? Uh, Truly I say to you, not one stone here will be left upon another, which will not be torn down. Now, the disciples, they were country folks, Galileans, who they rarely go to the big city of Jerusalem. They lived down by the coast, near the sea. So, like today, it'd be like someone looking at the Empire State Building that came, like, down off the farm, so to speak. First time in the city. So, when Jesus said, these stones are coming down, they said, oh, tell us, when will these things happen? When's this magnificent temple going to be torn down? And what will be the sign of your coming, Lord, and the end of the age? So they kind of piggybacked a few questions together for Jesus. Now, we know that the temple was destroyed in 70 AD. We also know a new temple will be built during the Great Tribulation. Oh yeah, it's coming back. That's future, the Great Tribulation. Now, this is what will precede the return of Christ. Jesus is going to talk about that. Here we are 2,000 years later, and the question is still probably more urgent than it was. What question? What is the sign of your coming? When's the end of the age? Jesus gave a multi-faceted answer. We're going to seek to understand much of that answer that he gave. Now, before Jesus explains all of the events that are going to take place, you know what he does? He gets the the disciples, here it comes, to check their heart. Oh, yeah, whenever you hear Jesus speak, you know what you got to do? You got to check your heart. And Jesus answered and said to them, See to it that no one misleads you. That's the first thing he said. The word mislead, it's the word planoo. It means to cause to wander. Wander from what? Oh, wander from the truth. In other words, he's saying, don't be fooled. And then he goes on to explain how it is that some people are caused to wander from the truth or be deceived. Verse 5, he says, listen, there's going to be imitators. He said, oh, many will come in my name, saying, I'm the Christ. (laughs) But you know what's going to happen? He said, they will mislead many. Now, according to Josephus, who was an ancient church historian, and by the way, he's pretty factual. You know why? He wasn't biased. He wasn't a believer. So he wasn't biased in his writings. One way or the other. He wasn't for or against. He was just a historian. He lived around A.D. 37. 
and he acknowledges the influx of impostors, people claiming to be the Christ. Even during the days of Jesus, people claimed to be the Christ. He actually records, wow, 24 names of men who claim to be the Messiah. Wow. You know, wherever this truth is a lie, let's face it, there is, that's the way it is. I want us to take a look today, if you can imagine this in your mind, a timeline of these future events. Because the Bible actually reveals two comings of the Lord. You know that? Oh yeah, Jesus is coming twice. We've got three major time periods of history. We call them dispensations. We've got the Old Testament dispensation, which was a theocracy that lasted about mm, 4,000 years. And then we have the insertion of the church age, been going on for about 2,000 years, started with the day of Pentecost. And then at the end of the church age is going to be the kingdom age. And that's going to go on for about 1,000 years. Now, the cross represents Jesus' first coming because he came to die. The crown represents his second coming because he's going to come to establish his kingdom and to rule. It's the second coming that the disciples have in question here. Obviously, because they're always experiencing <laughs> the first coming. Now, the Gospel of Matthew places emphasis on the coming kingdom. Most of the parables of the kingdom are found in the Gospel of Matthew. This is what Israel had been waiting for, for the coming of the kingdom. The kingdom of heaven is mentioned, oh, 32 times in Matthew's gospel. That's quite a bit. Now, the mistake that the Jews made was in waiting for a kingdom that was established by violence rather than a kingdom that would be established by the victorious return of Christ. See, the Jews wanted the first coming of Christ to set up the kingdom. And Jesus is like, no, my second coming is going to set up the kingdom. He couldn't set up the kingdom at his first coming. Why? Because Hebrews 9.28 tells us, Christ also, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, shall appear a second time for salvation, without reference to sin to those who eagerly await him. So what he's saying is, the first time Christ came, it was with reference to sin, yeah, to atone for the sins of the world. The second time he comes, it has nothing to do with sin. Now it has to do with his establishing his kingdom for those who eagerly await him. Here's the question. Are you eagerly waiting for Jesus? Well, I'm going to tell you something today. Probably most of you that are listening won't be around for the second kingdom, and I'm going to tell you why shortly. But we know that the disciples are saying, Jesus, when are you coming back? When are you coming? And Jesus himself acknowledged in his human limitation, he didn't know. He didn't know the hour of a second coming. You know what? The angels didn't know either. Only one person knew. He said, my father in heaven, he's the only one that knows when I'm coming back. So though, one, though no one knows the hour, we can know some of the things that must take place first. And you know what's going to take place before the return of Christ? 
at a second coming? The reception of the church. Today we're in the church age. That means that all believers today, from Pentecost to the rapture, are going to be received into heaven first. The church must be received into heaven before the second return of Christ to the earth. Now presently, we have two categories of the church. Number one, the church triumphant. That speaks of those believers that are in heaven. They died in Christ, right? They lived and died from the day of Pentecost up until now. That's the church triumphant. They've arrived. Then we have the church militant. That's the church made up of believers that are alive on the earth right now. And the reason they're called church militant, because oh, we're in the spiritual battle. Oh, yeah. We're fighting spiritual warfare, right? Satan's the god of this world. Ephesians 6, put on the full armor of God. We are in the battle. Now, this divided church, the church triumphant and the church militant, must be gathered together as one. Why? Because we're the bride of Christ. Can't have half a bride. Can't have a whole bride. So, Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 15, 51 and 2, he said, Oh, behold, I tell you a mystery. The reason it's a mystery, this news was never available in the Old Testament. This is church age news. He said, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. The word sleep means die. But we shall all be changed. Oh, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall all be changed. Think about that. The dead are going to rise up, and those that are alive, they will all be changed. Now, I want to explain something. I want to explain what Paul said when he said, I tell you a mystery, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. What did he mean by the last trumpet? I want to tell you what he meant. In the Roman army, it was so large, they used trumpet blasts to communicate to the soldiers. The first trumpet meant, wake up. It was reveille. The second trumpet blast meant, fall in, get in line. The third trumpet blast meant, move out. That was the last one. So, figuratively, Paul is saying, the first trumpet has already blasted. Wake up. <laughs> Are you awake? The second one has already blasted. Fall in. Prepare to move out. Let me ask you. Are you prepared? Get your backpack on. You got your weapon. You in line. You in formation. The third trumpet. Move out. And when that third trumpet blasts, you know what? We're going up. for. That's the rapture when the church militant hooks up 
with the church triumphant. And as the bride of Christ, we're presented to Jesus by God the Father, the marriage of the Lamb. Now, Paul said something similar to the Thessalonians in 1 Thessalonians 4, 13, um, more on the church's reception into heaven. He said, We do not want you to be uninformed, brethren. I like that. In other words, yeah, God wants us to know this stuff. Don't think that these end times events are not important. God says, I want you to be informed. So Paul said, I don't want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those who are asleep. In other words, those who died so that you'll not grieve as do the rest who have no hope. See, people without Christ grieve. People that know Christ, oh, we know death is not the end. Death is a passing through. He said, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, God will bring with him, with Christ, those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. So those that have died in Christ, God's going to bring them back. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. So what's he saying? Again, those that died in Christ, they're going up first. If the rapture were to come today, boom, we're going up, alive. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God, there it is, as that third trumpet, move out, and the dead in Christ will rise first. And we who are alive and remain will be caught up, caught up. We use the word rapture, caught up, together with them in the clouds. Oh, in the clouds, to meet the Lord in the air. And we shall always be with the Lord. So think, see, the rapture is not the second coming. The second coming, Christ comes to earth. But in the rapture, he stops at the clouds. Oh, and guess what? We go up. We meet him in the clouds, and then we go to heaven. He said, this isn't bad news, this is good news. Comfort one another with these words. So here's the point. The church must be received into heaven before the return of the Lord, before the second coming. The church is going up. Those that are dead in Christ, they're going up first. Are we going to see it? I don't know. Is it visible? I don't know. Probably not. But will we be visible? I don't know. Maybe. Who knows? But we're going up, and the whole church will be united in heaven. The church. What's the church again? Believers from the day of Pentecost until the last trumpet. After that, the church age is over, and the age of Israel begins again for seven more years. Oh, I love this stuff. This is history that God has given us a peek into hasn't even happened yet. No. We get to see something before it happens. So let's summarize. We've got the Old Testament, 4,000 years. Then Christ comes down, dies for the sins of the world. Then Christ ascends into heaven, sends the Holy Spirit, starts the church age. At the end of the church age, Christ comes down to the clouds. We meet him in the air. We go to heaven. We receive our rewards at the judgment seat. While that's going on, there's a seven-year tribulational period on the earth. After seven years, boom, 
Christ comes back. Oh, we come back with him on white horses. They say, are there animals in heaven? Well, there's horses. We come back with Jesus on white horses. And he, is, he wipes out the unbelievers. And he establishes a 1,000-year millennial kingdom. That's what's going to be happening in the future. That's a little glimpse of what waits for us. Now, Peter, Peter had some people who were also wondering when Jesus would return. And he told them in 2 Peter 3.8, he said, Do not let this one fact escape your notice, beloved, that with the Lord, one day, oh, it's as a thousand years. And a thousand years is one day. And the Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but he's patient toward you. And why is Jesus taking so long to come back? He's not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. See, God is giving people time. Time to do what? Time to turn. Time to turn toward Him. He doesn't have joy in sending people to hell. He doesn't. Hell was created, you know, for the devil and his angels, not for man. But man goes to hell because uh, there's nowhere else to go. There's no other place. It's either heaven with God or hell banished from God, and that's it. So he's not slow concerning his promise. He's just waiting for more people to repent. Now, once Jesus returns in the second coming, we have the reign of Christ. A gathering together with Jesus is called the day of Christ. That's the rapture. The day of Christ is when Christ comes to the clouds and gathers his church together. When he returns to the earth, that's called the day of the Lord. That's, now he comes as the Lord. First he comes as the bridegroom for the church. Then he comes as the Lord. He's going to clean house. He's going to establish his kingdom. He brings judgment to those that have rejected him and his offer of salvation. That's the second coming. And then he establishes his kingdom. This is the day that the Jews are waiting for. They're waiting for the kingdom. But unfortunately, it won't be for them as it could have been, because we can backpedal to Exodus 19 and verse 5, where God said, Now then, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you'll be my own possession among all the peoples, for all the earth is mine. And ye shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. But what happened? Oh, they didn't keep his covenant. They failed in their calling. And instead of proclaiming Jesus as Messiah, oh, they killed him. Wow. So now we have the insertion of the church, the bride of Christ. We will share his throne. And as the bride of a king is not subject to the king, she reigns with him. So will the church reign with Christ in the coming kingdom. Yeah, the Bible tells us that, Revelation 1.6. He has made us to be, and by the way, this is us, right, as believers in the, in the church age. He has made us to be a kingdom of priests to his God and Father. To him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Peter said, hey, you're a chosen race a royal priesthood. 
a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who's called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Oh, think about it. The message for the disciples is the same for us today. See to it that no one misleads you. Do not wander from the truth. Don't do it. And as we study the dispensations of God, his timetable for his plan, we will have a clear understanding of God's working in the earth. And we'll have an understanding of his plan for all of our lives. Yes, understanding God's working is found in the dispensations. Next time we're together, we're going to see what Jesus said about the warning of wars and famines. They're going to come. They're going to come. More wars and more famines will come. Now, the good news is, if there is any good news, the church won't be here. These things will follow the rapture. So, man, make sure you join me. Oh, stay with me. Because the, this is basic Christian doctrine. When I, when I read these things, I, like, I have hope. I have great hope. And I'm thankful to the Lord that he's faithful to those that love him. Do you love Jesus? Then you don't have to worry. Don't worry about a thing if you really love the Lord Jesus. Because I'll tell you what, he already took your judgment. He took your judgment on the cross. And therefore, you don't have to worry about being judged at all. He took it. You are free. There is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. That is so good to know. Hey, are you in the Hope Club? You get the daily devotionals? Come on, you got to get on board. Join the Hope Club. Go to newhopecc.tv, click giving, then click e-giving. Choose Radio Fund. Can you commit $3 a week? We'll send you a devotional Monday through Friday. Get you started off on the right foot every day. That's the way to do it. Email me at newhoperadio, the number seven, at gmail.com. I'll give you more information. Got a question, got a comment? I'll check that out too. New Hope Radio 7 at gmail.com. Join the Hope Club. Don't forget about the Hope Club podcast. Catch all of our programs there. Bill, you know what? Faith comes by hearing, hearing the Word of God. I'll see you next time.